Android and iPhone users welcome. BlackBerry and Windows phone users, we will accept you. The podcast going beyond the headlines. This is the Goopley Cast. Now the host, Matthew Carter. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Goopley Cast. Welcome. If you're watching us live on Periscope, Twitch, or YouTube, thank you for joining us and sticking with us through our intro. And if you're watching us or listening to us after our live show, thank you for spending some of your time with us. Uh, and if you're a fan of iHeartRadio, you're now able to find our podcast in the iHeartRadio app on Android or iOS, as well as iHeartRadio.com. For I'm a limited host. time. For a limited time. After, uh, after iHeartRadio, our technical difficulties, maybe they'll reconsider. So definitely listen to us while you can. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Carter. With me today uh, is Matt Evans. Hey, Matt. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you made it through. Welcome. Uh, as well as Roy Shilpinski. Hey, Roy. How's it going? And Tim Van Claveren. Hey, Tim. Hello. So on this show, we're going to be talking about how Fortnite has returned to iOS and also about the new developer program that Apple has uh, graciously given to developers that make under a certain amount of money. Uh, so we'll talk about that after Fortnite. Uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, first and foremost, everybody doing okay? I think we're doing good after. Well, we made it through the intro. We made it. We made it through the intro. However, I will mention that I'll edit this before we put it on the podcast version so that oh, okay. it sounds normal because I don't want to get kicked off any of our platforms. So. Yeah, I was worried that it was going to just like crash, and then it was just going to be like nothing. I yeah, don't know. that's I don't what know. I was worried about too. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, I was so worried that it was like my internet because I just um, like I just set up a new fixture for my router to go on to and like all my gaming consoles that they're all in the same place. So I was immediately like, like oh no, this is me. It's because I messed with my router yesterday. <laughs> okay. uh, but um, but yeah, so glad it. everybody is here. We made it. Um, and, uh, now, um, Fortnite has also made it back onto iOS with a kind of caveat. Um, so basically Fortnite is available through GeForce Now, which is a cloud gaming service offered through NVIDIA, like the world's largest graphics card manufacturer. And they have also purchased arm which is a chip manufacturer so they're probably the world's largest like artificial intelligence company too um they're huge and so it also is great that epic has now partnered with such a prolific company to uh get fortnite back to its fan base um always every time you say that i just want to put that little asterisk next to it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Asterisk next to what? The, the Fortnite, Fortnite returns. returns. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. It, it hasn't officially returned. It's basically they just kind of got that little workaround. Mm. They they actually took Apple's suggestion, which was, well, if you don't want to abide by our rules in the App Store, then create yourself an app that works on the um, 
the uh, Safari app or um, a browser, a web browser itself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's absolutely an asterisk because it's not it's not like they took the Fortnite mobile app and it's just now available on Safari, right? Yeah, no, no. It's a it's a basically a web app interface that they're they're building it out for. So, um, which is good though. I mean, because uh, I mean now they're they're going to be back in the App Store and, or not the App Store, but on iOS devices and iPads, uh, which is a good good solid thing for for them. Um, Nvidia is also working on like um, a mobile skin, so to speak, or a mobile friendly version of Fortnite. Uh, right now, you can play it, but they kind of require a controller because it's just like it's the Fortnite like PC or desktop app or like console app kind of thing available through their cloud service. So it's it's basically just like the console version you'll want to play with the controller. Um, yeah. But they did say that they were going to do a mobile version, but I couldn't find if they uh, set a date for when that's going to be out. I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen yeah. one. Um. Which I think did you did, did you try it on your on your um, iPhone before it shut down? No, no, my iPhone. Anytime I try and do anything of consequence on my iPhone now, <laughs> it just it resets. Like I'd get to the part where I could click like log in with Google, and then it would just go to a black screen, show the reloading symbol, and then I'd have to type in my password again. You should so... take that to the App Store and get it repaired. I didn't <laughs> honestly think of that. How much do you think something like that would cost? I don't know. What what version is it? It's a 6S. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll, actually, I, I'll see if I, I can mean, look it up. They might be show. able to. They might be able to. It might be a battery issue or something that, that could mm -hmm. be. So, um, yeah. So. All righty. Uh, Roy, do you plan on trying it out? No. Tim. Absolutely not. <laughs> Tim's um, an Android user mostly, but yeah, no, <laughs> I don't plan on it. Does anybody else play web-based apps at all? Like outside of a desktop computer? Yeah, like on so, a mobile device. Like yes and no, uh, because because Google was giving out. Um, Stadia Premier Editions to anybody who subscribed to YouTube Premium, and they were also giving out uh, Stadia Premier Editions to anybody who pre-orders um, Cyberpunk, though you get your Premier Edition uh, after Cyberpunk launches for Stadia. I have played Stadia games on my phone and through the desktop, and it's a pretty decent experience. And one of the things that I think is cool that Fortnite is going to be on GeForce now is that any any exposure that cloud services get, because there's Luna now, there's xCloud, there's Stadia, there's GeForce now, and I'm probably forgetting one or two, the more coverage and exposure this, these kinds of things get, the more people will be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see what it's like. Um, and, you know, kind of step over all the bad press that cloud gaming is getting right now and actually try it. And, like, so far for me, Stadia has been a pretty pleasant experience. It's worked 
every time that I've wanted to play a game or um, every time that I've wanted to show it to someone, try it on my phone. It's been a very consistent experience. And I think that there's a lot of negative press either about Stadia or maybe cloud services in general, that they're kind of, you know, always laggy and the graphics are choppy and, and that hasn't been my experience so far. So. The I'm always been concerned about Stadia. Um, I a few years ago at PAX, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 2012. Uh, there was a company called OnLive that was there, from, uh, giving away their uh, TV console. It was a micro, like pretty much exactly what Stadia was. It was like a little HDMI box you plug into your TV, and it was way ahead of its time. It I've tried playing it. It was laggy. It never worked properly. Um, and then the service ended up uh, going away. I think it got bought by Razer, I think. And it never really became a thing. And as soon as Stadia was announced, everyone was referencing uh, on live to Stadia that we might have a repeat of what happened. And I have been very... I have not wanted to try cloud gaming again because of how bad it was when I tried it last time, but I still need to plug it. I got my Stadia for for free, so I just need to plug it in and try it, but it's like, I don't think I'm going to like it, <laughs> so I just need to <laughs> take the time to try it. I would definitely say that it's worth it. I mean, I have, so the Stadia Premier Edition comes with, I know we're getting a little bit off topic from GeForce Now, uh, but at least with Stadia, you know, it has a controller that you have access to and you can conceivably use any Bluetooth controller that uh, can pair with your phone. And I just have the Stadia controller sitting on my coffee table and I have the Chromecast Ultra plugged into my TV and it's kind of surreal being able to, you know, pick up this controller and and turn on my TV and just start a game from the Stadia dashboard through the Chromecast Ultra. Mm -hmm. Don't have to really put in any disc, don't really have to do any setup, don't have to do any downloading of whatever game that I want to play. It's just like an instant portal uh, into whatever, you know, experience that you're interested in that's available on Stadia. So uh, I think it's really, really awesome. Um, and GeForce Now specifically, that gives you access to whatever their digital library is. Plus, I think you can connect it with uh, like Steam and maybe the Epic Game Store and like other services where you've purchased games and you have access to stream those as well. So at least from what I'm aware of, the GeForce Now experience is, is more comprehensive than Stadia. So is... Is Fortnite probably going to be their biggest title then? Would uh, you say, or are there other big titles that are on there as well? I would say that Fortnite will bring them a lot more publicity than they might have right now, because uh, they have modern games like Tomb Raider, Destiny, um, uh, Assassin's Creed. They're going to have access to cyberpunk. So, like, they'll have, it seems like, a really a competitive... They have a, a competitive ability to get whatever games they want, it seems like. So the service mm -hmm. is viable if you just want to try cloud gaming on good hardware because it runs 
NVIDIA GeForce graphics cards, which are for PC, like amazing graphics cards. Um, I just think Fortnite will bring in uh, a lot of people who might not have otherwise tried either cloud gaming or GeForce Now specifically. Um, and it'll probably retain users for the length of you know Fortnite's popularity which might get them into other games on the GeForce service and possibly other cloud gaming services, though there's an asterisk in that because uh, since this is like an advertisement for Fortnite on iOS, um, it it's kind of difficult because Apple isn't really friendly to cloud gaming services. So uh, mm. we will have to see lots of these browser-based uh, cloud gaming services Otherwise, Apple's just going to be like, well, we're not letting you in, so bye. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, I don't play any particular cloud gaming services myself, but one of the titles that I'm looking forward to or would like to see, um, I, I would eventually like to see it in the Apple App Store, but if not, uh, Halo. Um, oh, just because I don't... <laughs> I don't like I used to play Halo a lot, and Premium. yeah, you know, it would be really nice to see that, see that on a mobile device, you know, or even my tablet, you know, as well. So, um, and then it'll be interesting to see how Fortnite compares to um, the revenue that they have had before. If they, it, the experience, I guess, is what I'm saying. We'll see how what the experience is like on a mobile, um, you know, web-based platform. Yeah. Um, once they fully roll it out, <clears throat> um, Apple Apple losing uh, Fortnite's money and having that money, I, I'm not so I'm not sure how much GeForce makes off of uh, Fortnite being on their platform. Like if the if if Epic will have to kick back a certain amount of money to GeForce for all of the in-app purchases that are going to happen. Um, but Apple will probably be feeling that loss in addition to the uh, new developer bu small business program that they've launched. Uh, so it, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how all of this kind of develops and how both Epic, Apple, and now NVIDIA kind of negotiate this new cloud gaming uh, developer-friendly space. Yeah. Um, because I don't. I, I tried to look up before this to see how much um, revenue that they were making off of off of um, Fortnite on iOS, but I couldn't find any um, factual information based on that. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what GeForce uh, and them have worked out, uh, and if it if it'll be enough for them to um, convince people to go to a mobile. Uh, web browser platform uh, to get it back on iOS. Yeah. And I wonder if it's like too little too late for Apple because I wonder how much of their, how much of Apple's refusal to make cloud gaming services easy to be on the App Store like has, has pushed all of these developers to make uh, web-based cloud gaming services like a viable usable thing like i wonder if apple I, I just wonder how apple will react to having all of these uh 
I don't know, services not really care about the app store and and how that will affect, I don't know, their business going forward. This is a very interesting space. Very interesting. It is. And I don't think that anybody, I don't think we've ever seen a mobile platform or even a title like Fortnite, um, you know, be on a mobile platform for a web-based um web-based service so um it'll i mean time will tell if it makes it and if it works out and then obviously what apple will do after that i think there's a lot that's going to play out in this lawsuit um that's going to happen or you know that's going forward in 2021 to kind of see whether apple backs down and makes an agreement with fortnite or whether the um the lofts stand, they're going to go to court, fight it out, and uh, Epic Games is going to lose. It's, it's just my thought on it. Um, I don't see them winning in any way. And then it'll be like, it'll, it'll again, it'll be like, what happens afterwards now, after they lose? Which I think th the question of whether or not Apple will back down is interesting, because I think this is a good time to move into uh, the second topic of discussion, which is that Apple has uh, reduced the 30% uh, fee, the commission they call it, that they charge to developers on the App Store to 15% for any small business that makes under a million dollars a year, which they call the Apple App Store Small Business Program. Uh, what do you guys think about that move by Apple? I mean, I think it's a good. Uh, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I think it's. I honestly, I think it's good for developers who make under, you know, a million dollars. Um, but um, I, I feel like Apple could have just done fifteen percent for everybody across the board. Mm, you think that having it be split between thirty percent for a million and over, and fifteen percent for under a million is too complicated? Yeah, and I I think the timing of it too. Like, so we're in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, small businesses are losing money left and right. You know, no doubt about it. So um, there's a lot of small businesses out there that you know might be taking advantage of, you know. Um, you know, commission rates that are that are being lowered now. So that's helping them out. And especially developers who small end developers, you know, who have come out and talked about it. Um, one of them is hey.com, uh, which is the email service, you know, and they were, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what their revenue is now. And if they make, you know, over a million dollars in revenue. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how these developers you know, it benefits them, you know, and I, I don't think we'll know the full impact of it until next year um, to kind of see the, see the, um, the results out of it. Um, I do think it's kind of, it's also, again, interesting at the same time, though, that it happens right when Apple's going to court over a lawsuit. Yeah, um, like it that, happened the same day or during the same time period where Epic filed another lawsuit but in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Apple, Apple like claimed that it had, like our move to, you know, with this new App Store small business program has nothing to do with Epic filing in 
uh, in Australia, like the same, basically like word for word, the same lawsuit that they have against Apple in the United States, they filed in the Australian legal system. And Apple's like, no, we just did this out of the kindness of your hearts after saying like the whole year that the 30% was like what you're going to stick to and how it's been 30% for everyone since like day one of the app store. You just decided on this convenient day that you weren't going to uphold that anymore. I mean, let's face it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great PR stunt. Cause like Matt said, small businesses are losing money left and right. Uh, it gets some of those developers that were joining that coalition uh, with Epic kind of off of their back. It kind of, you know, gives them less of a reason to to join with Epic because they're going to be like, hey, we don't have to pay that 30% anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and let's face it, it's a slap in the face to Epic. It proves that Apple doesn't need to charge that 30% because that million dollar... Uh, price point is is fairly high. I mean, I don't know how many how many developers are making over the million. I can't imagine that that ring is super super big. You know, um, obviously Apple there's said gonna be that, some... I was just Go going to throw in that Apple said that the uh, number of developers making under a million dollars is very significant. So it will help like a probably a vast majority of. Well, that's what I'm getting at. What it, what it means yeah. is that Apple can survive easily without charging that 30%. If the, if the number of people that they're going to be helping with this uh, small business program is that significant, they don't need to charge that 30%. This is the Apple is a way for them to slap in the face, which which I'm okay with, with, with both sides being upset each other over this because I, I'm not a big fan oh, of Fortnite or, or Epic, and I do think that Apple doesn't need to charge 30% on the other hand of, of this argument. So I, I think that it's a PR move. I think it's a, a move to get people off their back, the, the developers off their back, and it's a way for them to still stick it to Epic. Yeah. So Apple made uh, the Apple App Store uh, generated an estimated fifty billion dollars in revenue in twenty nineteen. So that's wow. huge for that's huge for the App Store. I mean, Apple doesn't need that revenue. Obviously, uh, they could cut some of it back, and they I think they could do it with fifteen percent. So um, I know some people are joining in the chat and asking about how um, how it's going to return to iOS and uh, we were talking and it's going to uh, return through a web app through GeForce um, and you'll be able to eventually play um, play it in the mobile Safari version of it as well. So um, that's, that's how it's going to return to iOS at this point in time um, until the lawsuit is settled. And then we'll see if Epic Games loses. It'll be interesting to see if they just, you know, fall back and go into basically, um, basically go back into the App Store and, and abide by Apple's rules. Yeah. And, and one of Apple's rules is that you can do browser based. Uh, yeah, uh, like payments and everything, like direct to customers. So, like Netflix and Spotify, if you want to subscribe to their services, you have to leave the Netflix app that's in the App Store, go to Safari or a web browser, and access their subscription services through that way. So, GeForce now kind of gets around how Apple requires every game that's in a cloud service to be submitted to Apple for review. So, if you're a cloud service with, you know, a thousand games in your library of streaming uh, in your streaming library. You have to submit each one of those to Apple. It's a lengthy, complicated process. Um, 
but you get around it by just having a Safari-based version of cloud streaming. And Epic has partnered with uh, GeForce, which is run by NVIDIA, to have Fortnite available to everyone. Yay. But I also feel that, that you know, trying to subvert the App Store rules and have the web app opens up a whole other slew of possible problems with performance and how the game is going to actually operate. And not just Fortnite, but any other game that you're streaming through Safari. Like, mm. it's, 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 to me, this is a, this is a Band-Aid. It's nothing more than a Band-Aid. Um, yeah. You know, either either Apple's going to have to seriously overhaul their their policies for the App Store because um, I think that cloud gaming is just going to get bigger and bigger, and Apple's going to eventually have to make some sort of concession to uh, to work with the growing popularity of cloud gaming, and the developers are probably going to have to make some concessions too. I mean, there's there's going to have to be give and take on both sides, and it's it's going to have to happen. You're you're absolutely right, and I think yep. that there there's there's room for developers to make um, very strong points there on why it should be fifteen percent, and there's a lot for Apple to say. We give you a lot, you know. We give you a platform uh, to publish your app on. We give you the software to build your app. We give you the software to implement your app, and you know, I mean, that takes that takes a lot of money. Um, so, um, and then obviously we give you a safe platform, you know, to, um, distribute your app to and keep it secure as well. So. Absolutely. And that's, those are the things that you lose out by having to circumvent the app store. You lose out on, I mean, Epic for Epic for Fortnite got millions of dollars of free promotion for Fortnite, and you know put it on top of the app store so it was like a featured game featured app apple did a i think a full-size billboard in some cities it was just for Fortnite that apple did as part of a promotion for epic games that epic i don't believe paid for like a cent correct me if i'm wrong um so by having to circumvent it you lose out on all the amenities that apple gives you which kind of sucks plus you lose out on uh, like Roy, you were saying uh, this is a Band-Aid because you don't get all the optimizations that iOS and Apple hardware gives you by having a native um, Apple app and experience. And what's it going to be like on a browser? It could be, you know, caution to the wind, just go and play this game and hope it works. And maybe your hardware is good for it. Maybe it's not. It's, it's hard to say without uh, seeing what it actually looks like. Yeah, and then you're going to have to optimize the app. you're going to have to mop, optimize the web app to eventually play on you know different devices as well. You know, an iPhone SE is an older device. You know, might not as well as it does on on you know an iPhone eight or an iPhone um, seven. You know, or an iPhone six. Either way, you know, you look at it. So um, you're going to have to optimize the web app to work on on multiple different platforms. So. This is such a hassle for anyone that wants to play Fortnite on their iPhone. It's like it's like Epic should just make their own platform for phone platform. And I, I just don't know if anyone's actually gonna <laughs> anyone's gonna actually do this if you're playing Fortnite on an iPhone. I don't know if you're gonna it was one of the things that they kind of complained about with Google was that, you know, they didn't want to pay Google's 30% cut, which is another question. Now that Apple has dropped 
mm-hmm. their 30% fee down to 15%, like, will Google follow suit and do that? Because uh, they came out uh, in support of 30% after Epic filed a lawsuit on Apple and kind of sub-filed a lawsuit against Google for other things. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, hey, you think Google will come out in, in, uh, in parity with this 15% in some way? I think they'll have something similar at the very least, uh, because there's there's no way that their Play Store can compete. I mean, obviously, Android's not going anywhere. It's not like Android's going to die off because Google doesn't have some special small business program either. But um, you know, they're going to want to lure developers over to them because we've all seen what happens when a phone system doesn't have enough developers for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tear emoji. We, we we won't say the name, <laughs> but I mean it also it also goes to show um, you know it's important to point out that the the Apple share of the smartphone industry rose this year. Um, you know their market share rose, so the amount of iPhones that were being sold versus the amount of Android phones that were being sold. Um, was bigger this year than it was last year. So this Epic ban is not affecting iPhone sales one bit. And if anything, it shows Epic uh, is going to be able to have their game in less people's hands. I mean, obviously on Android, there, there are different ways that you can get Fortnite installed onto your phone because Android's open source. With iPhone, unless it's jailbroken, there's not a whole lot you can do. But if the market share for iPhone keeps increasing, then Epic's not going to be able to reach as many people, except for yeah. through this web-based app, which once again... Who knows what the performance is going to be like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so somebody wrote in the comments, it's uh, Epic's game's fault for some part. Um, and it is. I mean, for Epic 90% is... part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Epic, well, I mean is, Epic is in the App Store. The Epic could be back in the App Store. The, I think the judge ruled that Epic would be allowed back into the app store and that Apple had to allow them back into the app store if they confined by the rules and, mm-hmm. um, and made an app that, you know, complied with the rules and regulations of the app store. And contract I they signed. Yep. Exactly. I don't understand why Epic games doesn't just say back down at that point, continue with their lawsuit, um, but get their game back in the app store. Um, and just and and go through the revenue stream of it. Um, you know, it, it may be just because they're they're losing revenue, and then if they win this, they want to go after Apple for all the lost revenue that they've lost. Mm-hmm. That's I a mean, possibility. Who knows? I believe they Apple tried to sue them for. I I I actually do not remember. I want to say that Apple tried to sue them for the damages that Epic was causing to their platform, like all the wasted time and all of the, uh, all of the machinations that Apple had to go through to pursue this countersuit against Epic's lawsuit. And uh, I know that's that Epic, that's... I was just going to say that Epic could do the same thing, you know, obviously after they win, which Epic thinks that they're going to win, they're going to be like, hey, Apple, not only did you know the courts say that we are right, but now that we're right, you owe us all of the you know money or whatever, some settlement of the money that we could have been making from your platform. Can you imagine how major that would be? I mean, Epic's, I don't see a legal recourse that Apple that would let 
epic win because they agreed to the terms and conditions of the App Store, which is why they're 100% wrong in this case, whether we agree with the 30% or not. The fact right. of the matter is, is there were terms and conditions that they agreed to and they broke. Um, but let's let's go to, to fantasy land and pretend that they're going to win this lawsuit. And then, then that would indeed give them the right to go through and do another lawsuit for all the lost revenue because it should have been there all along on the App Store with the way they wanted it. That is going to be such a huge win for Epic if they could actually manage to pull it off. And I think that it would um, upset the uh, the App Store uh, industry uh, for multiple platforms. Absolutely. Because uh, Epic's argument is that the App Store, the iOS market, is a monopoly that Apple is using inappropriately, not so allowing other people to properly access it and compete with it on the Apple hardware, essentially. It's like saying Apple built a grocery store and they're, they're the only ones that are selling things in their grocery store. They won't let anyone else in. They won't let anyone else sell things on their property unless you agree to the Apple terms. And if you can say that, uh, like, Apple is a, a monopoly that's abusing its power, then you can say that Kroger or Albertsons, because they operate a, a uh, an institution that they police and have complete control over, that, well, now, you know, Target can sell on, like, Kroger property, or Walmart can sell inside of a Target. It's fine. Let's just mix and match and let everybody sell wherever they want to, regardless of the fact that people invested time into the brand and into the platform that they're selling things through. Let's just let anybody in because because Epic needs to make more money is the is the answer. That's why. Us four, we've we've all worked in a retail sense at some point in our careers. And we all know that um, at grocery stores you have vendors like say we'll say like Coca-Cola, Anheuser-Busch, the, everything that's on the shelf is brought in by a vendor and the vendor puts it on the shelf and it sells. And there's no you pay, there's you pay very shelf little space. Well, the, yeah, there's very little store labor that goes into getting that product to the store and on the shelf. You may have a store clerk replenish the the soda, the Coca Cola throughout the day, but the bulk of the work is done by by Coca Cola itself. But we know that the grocery store is going to get a cut of every single thing of of that of that brand that sells because they're giving them that space to sell it. They're basically okay. renting the real estate on the shelf. And this is no different for Apple, um, you know, taking a 30% cut. Once again, we can argue about whether 30% is appropriate or not, but Apple's taking a cut because they are basically renting the real estate in their app store to other people. There's no monopoly. There's no, like Apple, um, it's not like with the Apple Spotify thing, which which I do think Spotify is definitely more than right on that. There's no there's no competing service that Apple has for Fortnite. It's not like Apple's out there making a battle royale video game in any vein close to Fortnite. In fact, Apple's not out there making games at all. Like their the software on the App Store is mostly like productivity type stuff. Um, you know, you could have Microsoft go and and talk more about Apple's monopoly over you know word processing, Excel spreadsheets, stuff like that, more than Fortnite could argue about a monopoly for Apple. That's just my two cents. It's, the, it's, it's just them renting real estate to Epic. Absolutely. Well, and and if you th if you guys have ever watched Shark Tank, has anybody watched Shark Tank? No. So Shark Tank yeah. is a 
Shark Tank is an idea. You go and you you pitch your idea to investors on the show, essentially. So, um, you know, for example, let's say I'm, I, I got these great headphones, you know, that something is cool. I have patents on it or something like that. You go and you sell it to them, you know, and they buy, oh, a percentage right. of your, they buy a percentage of the company. One of the, one of the things that they always talk about, especially in retail space and retail establishments is they don't want to go into the retail market because they don't, if they're making money on a website, why go into retail? Because you're just going to, you're going to pay, you're going to pay for that space. And it's going to eat up your revenue um, and you're not going to get it. So at the same time, um, I, I, Roy is 100% complete that it's it's a lot like a grocery store operating or a retail establishment operating as the same thing for Fortnite. Fortnite is a, or Apple App Store is essentially a retail establishment and they're selling their space or they're selling their you know revenue. You're taking revenue cuts for being in that store. So I completely agree with that. The, um, the cut, you're right. I mean, we'll see kind of what what is what is appropriate. I think that Epic has a better chance of 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 fighting them on a monopoly type style than to. I, I don't think they're a monopoly in my opinion, but um, I think that they could they have a better chance of standing that. And I think that coming back into the App Store would be better for them, and then fighting them on the monopoly side of things um, versus that. So. Um, but I, again, Apple Roy is completely right. They don't make Apple isn't making games right now, except for chess. I think you can get on the on the Mac. Oh, man, chess battle royale that we know of yet. Apple that we you're you're right. You're right. We don't well, know I mean, if even, Apple has anything. They do have chess. I do have chess one, on the Mac. Yeah. Even if they're making a battle royale, there's not one now. There is no monopoly in the gaming industry. Like the closest you could talk about is maybe Apple Arcade versus non-Apple Arcade games because Apple Arcade is sold as a subscription service. Like yeah, I can see if they Apple wanted to try to make that argument. Yeah, and and that would be good for. I mean, that would be good for, like, for example, a you know a vendor like geforce that's selling apps you know or something like that that would be more of a you know um i think an issue for that but i don't really see i, I don't really see epic's path for victory here no. um so to say at all and um i think that spotify um i i think that epic should have done this differently i think epic should have teamed up with bigger companies such as Spotify or some other company and tried to fight them on that. I think that, you know, Epic going into this alone towards a $2 trillion company. It, I mean, it's a Apple, suicide Apple, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Apple has lawyers that, you know, are a fleet full of lawyers, you know, they're going to roll in a bus the day of the lawsuit and these, Fifteen hundred lawyers are going to get off the get off the uh, bus and go in there and fight this lawsuit. And you're going to come out with, you know, your lawyers looking down, you know, as they exit the courthouse. I just I don't see it happening. Absolutely, you know? and it's like so they um, they did this developer program 
on the basically on the on the day at the time that Epic filed the lawsuit in Australia, and it was this whole program with um, you know well thought out developers making under a million dollars get a fifteen percent discount on the Apple fees, which is fantastic. Anybody making over a million dollars pays thirty percent. They had like press releases ready and stuff and pictures to go with it. Cool. So that was like Apple is kind of retreating. A little bit, but it seemed like a planned retreat in case Epic did some other kind of shenanigans like they did in Australia. So you just got to think, how many steps ahead has Apple planned in case Epic does all of these ridiculous things that it seems to be doing, trying to pursue this Robin Hood narrative of fighting for themselves and fighting against Apple and fighting for the developers. And Apple is like, well, okay, so... You know, anybody making under a million dollars gets a discount on our commissions, which I think, personally, me, think that that's really fair. I'm not going to sit here and say that anybody who makes, oh, if you make over a million dollars as a developer, I am kind of okay with you paying 30%. Uh, that I, I don't think that's unreasonable. And if you make yeah. under a million dollars, I think 15% is reasonable. Um, and that opens the door to so many new developers who want to develop for iOS. So I think it was a great move by Apple done very quickly. And I think it makes, it makes Epic's case so much weaker because one of the tenants of their case was that they were essentially the white knight fighting for not just themselves, but also the little guys who can't really stand up to Apple like big pockets well, Epic can't. And the other thing that I think that they could do, um, and I, this was very controversial when it came into the App Store, but App Store didn't used to have ads. Um, Roy can probably uh, attest to this, um, but the App Store didn't used to have advertisements inside of it. Yes, it did always used to have like a homepage that had articles and stuff like that and featured apps and stuff like that. But when you go in the search menu and search for Fortnite, there's um, there's a lot of different at the top of the thing, there'll be an ad generally of of another app in there. And I don't really think that Apple needs to generate money off those ads. I think that they they could give those they could give that space away to developers, perhaps, you know, to advertise their apps um, rather than rather than making money off of that. Um, just because a lot of people were really disappointed when apps um, advertisements showed up in the app store. Um, and I, I think that Apple could brand that a little differently with a, a developer program of some sort for smaller developers or, um, you know, give away the space, you know, to developers to, you know, advertise their apps, you know. So you're saying that there are, because I don't go into the app store very often, there are advertisements yeah. in the app store that could be for anything like products or other services yeah, 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 yeah. that might have nothing to do with apps. Yeah. Uh, so if does... you, like, if yeah, you search ahead. for, let me just say, so I'm just going to search for Gmail and see what comes up. So um, if I search for Gmail here, you can see, uh, you can't really see very well, but uh, Gmail is is advertising up here um, mm. for that spot, as well as it's the first in the top results as well. So 
but that's clearly an ad. It knows that it's an ad. It's got a great input around it. Um, you know, and, and Google is essentially paying money for that space in order to uh, advertise in that area. So I feel like they could they could generate some revenue or not generate revenue, but give give that space back to developers, you know. Um, and again, the app store is very much different than the Android app store because uh, it goes through a, a lengthy process, you know, of, of doing it. So if, for example, you made a certain amount of revenue in your first year, then maybe you get this much ad credit for next year or some sort, you know, um, to try and help some of these developers pick up space and pick up uh, revenue, uh, which will ultimately help them. Because once you get revenue and you generate more revenue for Apple um, as well through the commission. I think that would be a really friendly move towards developers, having some kind of uh, some kind of preferential treatment uh, to either get started or if you're if you have some kind of trajectory or something helping to propel you to where, you know, you profit and Apple profits as well by helping you. And uh, I'll just mention this, too. I know that there's been some. Um, you know, Congress and the Senate and intelligence communities and or not intelligence communities, but the Senate commissions and stuff have all been looking into this and stuff like that. And they have uncovered some evidence that, you know, like, for example, Amazon is paying less for prime video um, subscriptions, you know, and stuff like that. And there's there's some there's some de wheeling and dealing with that. I think that Apple should just give one revenue stream for everybody. You know, if it's if if if, you know, a lot of times I think Epic originally came out and said that, you know, you know, uh, Amazon was originally getting 15 percent for Amazon Prime commissions or something like that. That should be the same for everybody else, I feel like as well. Um, and I, I think that's the right thing for Apple to do, um, you know, and like I said, developers and have to make ex concessions too and stuff like that and you know um who knows what that would be but i think that i think that there needs apple needs to sit down to the table with developers uh, because apple is only successful if developers continue to build apps for it and you know not to say that it's not going to happen but there could be a time when developers just don't want to build for ios yeah, if Epic makes their own phone and software, and it's actually good. Well, I don't think that will happen. But <laughs> <laughs> if for some reason Google got really good and you know really secure, um, or another phone company came out and made a better phone company, um, you know, a better uh, mobile operating system, um, then yeah, I think that you know that would be. Um, good for you know competition and good for everything else too so we'll see what see what happens do you know how big of an insult it would be if epic games came out with their own ecosystem and it's better <laughs> than windows like than like the windows phone store hey hey no. hey i don't think i don't think that i don't think that microsoft is any way done with the mobile space true um you know they're yeah they're look at the surface duo yeah, oh, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's anything either. But I don't <laughs> I, I, I 
I will put I will put twenty dollars down that you know in the next five to ten years, um, Apple could or excuse me, Microsoft could release another phone operating system. No, um, no, it's okay. I, I'm just saying. I, I I'm not going to say it's going to be good. But what if Apple? <laughs> what if Microsoft really came out with a a new Windows platform that was really good? Let's I would only it. accept it if they partnered with people who are good at making hardware, and well, so that they partner with someone. The good hardware was never at- the issue. The the Nokia, their their mobile division, those Lumia phones were great spec phones. It was the fact that the the software, and, and even the, the basic software of the the mobile operating system wasn't the the hard part. It's just they jumped into. Um, you know, a world that was mostly owned by Android and Apple, and they couldn't entice developers to come and develop for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it really comes down to. And I, I don't think Matt's wrong that, that Windows will try to to go back into the 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 mobile phone market for themselves. But I think they'd have a much easier time if they were to take Android and make a skin like an, a Microsoft skin. Uh, over Android, like every other Android manufacturer out there, rather than make a new Windows Mobile platform, um, so because they will fail with that again. Here's here's my theory. Okay, so I'll just I'll throw it out here. Um, I, I read recently that that you will soon or sometime in the near future be able to run Android apps on the Windows operating system. So, you know. You could you could eventually have a, a a Google Play Store, and download it to your Windows PC. Now that that I, I feel like okay, so if you make an app, if you make an operating system that can run Android apps, then boom, they just submit their app to the to the Android App Store, and then they submit their Windows or their app to the Windows App Store, and create their own. I think it's very possible that Google or that Microsoft is actually working on that. It'll yeah. work just as well as the Fire Phone did. Well, the the Fire Phone was so phone. wrong. The, those were both. I wrong. forgot about okay. that. <laughs> I think Microsoft has learned a lot about how to make a good operating system after Windows 10. Windows, because Windows phones were out pretty much around when Windows 8 was out. And mm-hmm. sorry, Microsoft, but Windows 8 was really bad. It's and garbage. it was a bad operating system. And I think they learned a lot from Windows 8. Like even in 8.1, they brought back so many things that they took away in 8. So they might have learned their lesson about how to make a decent operating system. One of those lessons is to start listening to what people actually want and then like executing on it. But I I think that a mobile (laughs) operating system where you could develop apps for multiple different platforms. And so for example, you, if you built an app for Android, it could run on a windows device. Um, I think that is a very strong competitive. And I bet you, if you go over to Redmond, there's some underground secret lab that you take, you know, five floors down and they're working on it over there. I, I'm. Oh yeah. Microsoft has so much money to money on it. They have so much money to waste on like little projects. That'll probably never see the light. Look at the money that they spent on Nokia though. 
just to to buy Nokia and then have it all belly up and sell everything off, you know. And Microsoft I mean, has money to just throw at problems. Like they bought yeah. Bethesda, and everybody was like, "Oh my!" Microsoft has like entered the ring, and they're just throwing yeah. money at people now. Well, they yeah. remember back when they bought a uh, when they bought Rare, and they've done yeah. like nothing with Rare. Like Rare yeah. brought out Sea of Thieves, which was uh, a launch flop. Yeah, I hear it's gotten a little bit better, but like they could they could have done great things with Rare. I'm just saying, Rare is a great <laughs> studio, and they have a lot of great IPs, and they've done nothing with it except for give a banjo to Smash, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we got but, uh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, and I, I was just going to say this too. Um, I, I just thought of this afterwards, but. You know, I uh, Mac is doing the same thing. Apple is doing the same thing. You can run uh, on the new Mac M1 chip. You can run iOS devices uh, apps on the Mac as well. So it's it's happening on both sides of it, and I think it's just a matter of time before um, somebody comes out with the platform for it, uh, whether it's Microsoft or whether it's somebody else. But I, I'm I'm looking for it for so, the Android marketplace. So for the money that you're putting down on this, the hypothetical money you're putting down on this, if Windows does come up with a way to basically emulate Android on top of Windows, when Microsoft eventually well, releases a new... I don't think it's going to be an emulation. I think it's going to be its own operating system. I think so, Windows... so you're saying it will not be Windows itself. It'll be some other I don't think... Unix-based I, I, operating no, system. No, I think it'll be a Windows operating system. I'm just saying it's not going to be it's not going to be Android. You're saying... But it'll I, be able to run Android apps. Let's say Windows uh, 11 has built-in Android app support. You can go, as a developer, submit your app to the Windows Store, which they are now starting to promote and upgrade, and uh, you can download Android apps submitted to the Windows App Store. Does that sound about what you're that looking for? That sounds about right, yeah. And, okay. But eventually, you that that will transpire to a mobile a mobile platform. So I when see. when Windows brings out another mobile phone, because I'm 100% with you, it will happen again. Do you think that they will, A, have their own version of Windows, like it'll be just a completely different operating system than Android, or do you think it'll be their own flavor of Android, a la what OnePlus and Samsung and LG do? And no, nope. I think it'll be I think it'll be a completely different version of Android. It won't be based off of Android code um, or anything. It won't. So it's going to be its own, open source. It's, it's going to be its own, own operating system. Okay. Hmm. It's going to be its own operating system, and it's going to be able to run uh, natively. Android apps. So it'll be, it'll be like what, money on what Amazon did with the Fire Phone, where it's still basically Android, but it's it's Amazon's take on it. And they but, have their own ecosystem and own. Store. Amazon used Amazon. If I'm not cor- if I'm correct, Amazon used the Android code and built their own operating system. What I'm saying is that Android, that Windows, the Windows Phone is going to be built from scratch, and it will be a, able to run. Android apps. It'll be some kind of like integrated Android Windows hybrid. Yeah, it'll just be exactly the, the line of separation between the two yeah, yeah, yeah. types of platforms. If okay. they yeah. if they pull this off, because then they don't have to worry about enticing developers, because you can just pull whatever the hell you, don't, you want. Because you you would just you would take your app, you'd submit your app to you'd submit your app to the Google Play Store, and then you'd go right over there and you'd submit it to to the Windows App Store. 
Will they have live tiles? That's all I care about. <laughs> I don't know. I know you really like the window. Roy was a really big fan of the live tiles. Like when, when, when he had a Windows phone for the longest time. Even when I told him, I said Windows isn't going to last. This was the first time they built a Windows phone, um, and uh, yeah, he just he had it forever, and he loved the live tiles. Um, I did not like the live tiles at all. I still don't like the live tiles. Um, it's okay to have a wrong opinion. It absolutely is. There are plenty of them on this podcast. So I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this podcast because I think in in five or ten years from now, I'm going to be publishing this and being like, I was right. I think it's a very very interesting idea. I mean, Microsoft is experimenting with like the Hololens. Plus, they are learning about Windows on the Xbox Series X, and they seem like they're going to continue in that vein. They have the Surface, like the the hardcore Surface, which is a tablet computing experience for Windows, and then they have what the Surface, what's what's the Surface like flip thing, the Surface Book, the Duo. Surface Go, Duo. Surface Duo. Duo. So they have the yeah. Duo, which has some, it either is Android or has some. It's Android, Android yeah. With it, it so just has their are, launcher on it. Okay. So, I mean, that means that they're dipping their toes in all of these different pies, and maybe at some point the stars will align and they'll, you know, see straight through to uh, the glory that is apps. And Android I think I think we should take a field trip over to Redmond and find this little cave. I bet it's got like a glass tube elevator and everything. <laughs> no, it's probably it's probably this little rock you go lift up and you crawl <laughs> into it, and then it. It zaps you down to the bottom of it. I you know mean, they I'm have a couple. Telling. They have a couple of scary parking lots over there. Like you they drive do. into like one of the like second levels or whatever, and there's just like no lights. Basically, and it's like you, almost. And when, and when you guys, when you if you guys watch the um, the Apple event, uh, and I don't know if this is true because I've never been in Apple Park, but if you if you do actually go into the Apple Park building, I'm wondering if it goes down underground like they show it because oh, it's got in the, it. It doesn't have to, though. No, I mean, it, I feel I feel with with what you see for the building there that there's got to be more down there. It's for only all, like three floors that, above surface. Yeah, for all that Apple does, there's there's got to be some. But that thing is there. huge, though. That thing is huge. It is pretty I mean, big. But I'm willing to bet there's because I mean this is where Apple does all of its work, all of its all of its corporate headquarters are there. There's got to be some subterrain levels there. Post 2020 Goopley field trip. Yeah. 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 Did let's, you know? Let's do it. Did you know at the uh, at Microsoft's campus, the ev all everywhere underground is parking garages everywhere, and they're when they were when they were building the uh, their campus in Redmond, uh, they uh, they designed specifically the parking garage to be underground, and then like the last thing they needed was the fire department to sign off on the parking garages before they could open. All the construction's done the uh, fire department would not sign off because the parking garages were too low so they couldn't fit the fire trucks through. So Microsoft instead bought the fire department shorter fire trucks <laughs> that would fit in their parking garages and the fire department what? accepted I it. Think I, I think I do remember that. I think I do remember that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's I stand corrected. According to Wikipedia... It is uh, four stories high, but that circle is a mile long. 
So if you want to walk one full loop around Apple Park, it's going to take you a mile. It's going to be a mile. So four four stories high, I guess. I guess a mile fits a lot of building space in. It does. Uh, and I, I will say, I do know that there is some underground structure because there is um, uh, there is a parking structure underneath. I do remember when I was visiting Apple Park's uh, visitor center that there was um, there was an entrance that went down for parking structure underground. So I don't know if if they bought the fire department fire trucks that would fit into there or if they were built to spec. They well, learned from Microsoft. When, when Apple sends us our invites to WWDC, when they open that back up, we'll have to go check that out. Yeah, we absolutely will. Yeah. All right. Uh, one final note before we uh, kick it off and let everyone go. I did look up how much it would cost to get my iPhone battery replaced or fixed out of warranty. $70. Who wants to guess? 120. 120. We got 120. Tim, what's your number? Um, I'm going to say 175. Ah, 175. Okay. Uh, the number that Apple charges for everything from the iPhone SE to the iPhone 8 Plus is... $49. Oh, I was the closest then. Roy yeah. was the closest, yeah. I just so remember when I, went to to him. Get, when I went to go get my 6, what was it, 6S Plus uh, battery checked out because it was unexpectedly shutting down. Mm -hmm. And uh, Apple's like, well, the 6S battery's on, on a recall, but the 6S Plus isn't, even though we can totally see there's something weird happening with your phone. Uh, 90 bucks, we can get you a new battery. And I was like... I'll wait a year and get a new iPhone. <laughs> uh, oh if you have a like a modern iPhone, an iPhone 10, 11, or 12, it is $70 for the same service, though. Uh, so, yeah, thought I would throw that in. Um, so, you can do it? Else? I might go do it. My phone battery was kind of bumming me out uh, for a while now. And so, seeing this happen is like the culmination of kind of what I've been expecting for a while. So I might do it, or I might just be like, you know what, fine, iPhone, do this to me, and I won't use you if that's how it's going to be. Um, as long as we're talking about iPhones, I just want to throw out there oh. that I got the new silicone, or not the silicone, the new clear case uh, with MagSafe. Mm. And I have the new Apple official MagSafe wallet. If you are thinking about getting a cheap one off of Amazon, don't. think twice and don't. <laughs> I've bought four different ones of them and I'm sending oh them goodness. all back because oh, they no. do not snap to the to the phone as well as the Apple one. The Apple one, when you buy it, it's $59, but it feels so much better, so much heavier. And the magnets are so much more stronger. So what is that fifteen dollars per card? Is that a, like a four card wallet? Three, three cards. cards. It holds oh, three cards. Yeah, twenty dollars per card. That is steep. But <laughs> I'm I'm working I'm working towards going walletless because there's 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 
three things that I need to carry. I need to carry a credit card, I need to carry my debit card, and I need to carry my ID. Because A, what happens if they don't take Apple Pay and I absolutely need something, then I have to pay for it. Um, what happens if my debit card doesn't work, then I need a, a credit card. And then my ID, obviously I need because I drive, I used, before I had my wallet case, um, I, I never used to want to bring a wallet and my wife used to get after me all the time because we'd be driving to Silverdale and I wouldn't have my wallet with me <laughs> because I'd be like, well, I got Apple Pay. I can pay for everything with Apple Pay. But you can't drive without your driver's license. And she would get she would get mad at me Watch all the time me. about it. And I was like, and I'm like, and I'm like, it's just so much of a hassle to carry it. I don't like putting it in my back pocket. I don't like carrying it. Like, I just, I want to be able to go walletless this allows me to do it, and I haven't forgotten my wallet since or my driver's license. And you like the way it looks on the clear case with the with the wallet? I do. I do. Okay. Actually, the clear case is actually kind of my favorite right now. Roy has it uh, for the uh, the Max version, uh, but he said that it was too slippery. Um, I do feel like the little slipperiness, but I feel like I've got a good grip over it that it's not going anywhere. But I could see with a larger phone that you would have. Yeah, I, I can imagine with, with the size of phone you have that it's a lot more manageable. I mean, I, I love the way that it looks. Uh, I, I think that covering up the I love the being phone, able to see the blue in the back. Like exactly. It's just, it's, the phone's beautiful. Why would you want to cover it up with a case if you could help it? But, I mean, obviously you want to put a case on it because you don't want to, you know, break your phone. Yeah. Does the wallet so, adhere anyway. well enough to the case so that if you like put it in your pocket, it doesn't weirdly? It's not an issue at all. Yeah. Not an issue at all. Some people have said that it does kind of slip off, but I don't feel like it. I put it in my pocket all the time. I've had it. Um, I've, I've had it slip off twice, and it wasn't a big deal at all. And it was. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, it was in my. I just pulled my phone out. It was just in my 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 pocket but i think it was it happened while i was at work and i'm moving some totes around and the totes mm -hmm. are kind of up against my thigh to begin with so like that could have just knocked it loose right there it, it yeah. hasn't knocked loose from from normal normal day-to-day -day usage other than you know like i said when i'm carrying like heavy totes and stuff around so you wouldn't say like with storage and then withdraw of the phone from your pocket no just pull it, pull it, pulling it in and out not been an issue at all um, like like Matt said, the issue, the the magnets are 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 the right balance of 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 strength. You know, it's not too strong that you can't take it off when you need to access because you have to take it off in order to get the cards out because it has the 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 little slide area on the back side of it. Um, but it's not so strong that it comes off easy at all. Yeah. All right. So I I definitely I definitely recommend the official Apple one. Don't buy any of the cheap aftermarket ones. Very wise words. I will, I will put that all. Experience. I will put that all in my iPhone uh, 12, 12 review. So fantastic. Um, so in that case, before we jump off, I do want to say hello back to Jack from India. Thank you for joining. Oh yes. Us. <laughs> Welcome to the Gooply Cast. Um, and with We're that said. Done. We're almost done, so thank you for joining us on this episode of the Gooply Cast. Uh, pardon our uh, live intro issues. It's it's all good. I'll edit it all out. They won't yeah. even notice. Nothing ha nothing happened at the beginning. Yeah, uh, iHeartRadio. If you're iHeartRadio, if you're listening right now, our podcast was perfectly 
Done. No problems. You got that crisp <laughs> cast going. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be able to find our replays on YouTube and the podcast version of our episodes on all of your favorite podcasting apps, including iHeartRadio. I've been your host, Matt Carter. For Matt, Roy, and Tim, thank you for watching and listening. We'll catch you next time on the GooplyCast. Thanks for listening to the GooplyCast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. Visit us on social media at Goopley. And remember, you can stream the GooplyCast on your favorite podcasting app or Goopley.com.